Hey everybody, Jace here. Real quick before we get started, I just wanted to ask you a huge favor. If you follow me on Twitter, you know I've been embarrassing myself on a weekly basis for this Bad Idea Fan Cup, and there is a tweet that is pinned to my profile on Twitter, and I just need you to go and like it. It literally will take you know 10 seconds to open up Twitter, type in twitter.com forward slash the comic source, and just like the video. Uh, if you want to retweet it, that's cool too. Um, but no quote t- tweets because it, I really just need the likes. So I appreciate everybody. Here's the episode. Hope you enjoy it. everybody welcome to another episode of the comic source podcast i'm your host jace this is a creator-owned spotlight we're here to talk about a book that we've talked about a few times before and it's up to the final issue the book is area 51 the helix project and i have the writer and creator trevor lenkowitz joining me trevor thanks for taking the time man dude it is a pleasure it, it only feels right that you know like we i you have to be on the circuit for the last book because you were one of the only people on the circuit for the first book <laughs> Yeah, it's been a long road. Remind me when the first campaign ran for issue one. So it it ran in in like October of 2020. First book came out in January of 2021. So it's been two years since issue one came out. Yeah, and I know at the time we talked about one of the drawbacks or one of the things that people maybe don't like about crowdfunding, Kickstarters, that sort of thing. It's how long in between, right? Like especially the Wednesday Warriors are used to that monthly schedule. And I mean, I remember your first campaign where I was telling you, you need to charge more for these books, uh, you know, and you were ambitious. You're like, I want to get them. I'm going to crank them out. I think you said something like three in the first year or four, something like that. It didn't quite work out that way. But because, uh, again, there's just logistics. You're doing it on your own. You're self-publishing your, you know, your own fulfillment center, distributor, mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. It just it takes up so much time. Um, but now you're at the end. Does it? I mean, you have to feel some sense of like relief that it's at the end, so to speak, For but sure. also probably some, uh, I mean, you gotta be proud that you you made it, you know, they were all yeah. successful. Yeah, man. It, it's, it's a weird feeling. It's a good feeling. Um, it's, it's weird. I don't think I'm feeling as much as I should quite yet. And that might be because I went into immediately working on more stuff. Like as of tomorrow, we actually start art on my next project. So it's almost like I don't have time to like feel it. Although I will say when I got the last page of issue six in, uh, I definitely felt something like I was just like, Oh, like, this is it. Like I I know I wrote the end at the end of the script, but this is the end of, of this story. And it's, uh, it's been a wild ride and 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 I'm really proud that we got there. Yeah. So listeners, I'm going to say this right up front. Uh, as I always do when we talk about crowdfunding, man, five successful Kickstarter, his first five and all successful, a great book, great art, high production value. We got to, I mean, we got to do everything we can to make sure this, there's no reason why it shouldn't, you know, I'm not jinxing it, but man, we got to be sure we get this last campaign, this final campaign oh, yeah. over the finish line, because then no matter what happens in your career, no matter what happens in your life, like nobody can take away the fact that you 
you know, produced and created and successfully funded and put out like a six issue comic series. that's like out there forever. It's crazy. It's crazy, man. And yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely looking to smash, um, you know, every number we've ever done, uh, the, the, despite the actual production goal remaining the same, like we, I really want to break 10 K on this campaign. Like that is my personal goal. I think we're primed and ready to do it. I think, you know, um, the story has only gotten better. The art has only gotten better. Uh, and, and we're, we're offering more and more every time, you know, like this, this book, this sixth book, when all is said and done, is going to be a 32 page comic, you know? So, um, <clears throat> we're, we're upping our game in every way we can. And, uh, I think that 10 K is very much achievable for, for the, for this group and, and, and for the, the incredible people that have come with us along the way. Yeah. I mean, that is uh, part of it. And you know, I was there at the first convention that you tabled at at Trificon <laughs> back in 2021, I guess. Yeah. Uh, which was a lot of fun. We yeah, probably didn't sleep enough and drink too much and played too much liar's dice, but I wouldn't <laughs> trade it. I wouldn't just, and despite the planes, trains and automobiles adventure for me to get out there and get back home, uh, <laughs> I said, it's still, you know, raising all that money for the, the little boy with leukemia um, and hanging out with you and being uh, on the East coast. It, yeah. I wouldn't trade it. Uh, but you've continued to do a lot of conventions mm-hmm. and, it it does bode well. I mean, again, there's no reason why you can't hit that 10K because you've been out there, you've been introducing the book and the story to new audiences in different geographic areas. Talk a little bit about how that's been from that mm-hmm. first Terrificon convention where you're kind of saying, hey, how do, how do I do this to now? I guess yeah. you just got back from Fan, was it Fan Fest or Fan Expo in New Orleans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, It's it's been a crazy ride. And you know, the first lesson you learn is that what people want at conventions are very different than what people might want on a crowdfunding platform. Um, and then you learn that even between conventions and between geographic reasons, region, regions, excuse me, um, people want different things. You know, there are certain, there was an element of like me assuming that like just having a, a larger and larger catalog that it would just kind of become more and more seamless. And that's the case for some places. Other places um, are are a little bit less receptive to like original content and just kind of want like their comfort food media. Um, and, and admittedly, New Orleans was kind of one of those places where it was a little bit harder to get people in on something more original, you know, when everybody was there to meet um, the Stranger Things guy who did like a Metallica cover while demons were trying to eat him or whatever. Um <laughs> So, uh, you know, it all changes, but then, then I have a show like Memphis, uh, which I went to back in September where, you know, we were there for two days and, and that Saturday, dude, I couldn't get out from behind my table. Like we were so busy. Uh, like it, we were so busy that one of my readers, um, shout out Patrick Stewart, um, like just noticed that we couldn't get like an inch outside of the table and like bought me and my handler lunch, which was like incredibly sweet but you know there are shows like that where people are just like oh this is cool like i can appreciate this for what it is it doesn't need to be associated to mickey mouse or a big wb logo it just is and and so um yeah that's been a huge learning process and it's been um i don't i if if i if you're not for these conventions man i honestly don't know if i would have like continued making comics um there is something about meeting people who uh, either are connecting with it on the spot or have connected to it prior and and you get to have like that really special interaction um where where they 
like are, 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 you know, shoveling a little bit of love on something that like at one point you were the only person that knew about it, you know, that was just like floating in your head for a while. And it, it's a really special, special experience. And, and because comics uh, and the creative process can, can oftentimes feel sort of thankless because you're, you know, you're doing it at home and, and, you know, the only people you're really talking to when you're making it are artists who you're really mostly only emailing with, um, you know, you forget that like when you create something and, and, and uh, like how much that can mean to somebody that's not you. Um, and, and yeah, man, it's, it's, so th- those conventions have been a massive, um, a massive teacher for me and also like a, a real privilege, man. Yeah. So you've learned a lot being on the convention circuit. You, you obviously learned a lot throughout these, these campaigns, mm-hmm. like let's like setting aside the, kind of the crowdfunding self-publishing aspect of it from that sense. And let's talk about like creatively mm-hmm. um, because this last issue has, or was it the last two issues that you had to switch artists? Um, and, you know, the art is still fantastic. It's still in the same style. I don't even think you, you might necessarily notice, uh, you know, when it's in a trade or what have you, um, mm-hmm. but talk a little bit about like that aspect of it. Like, because yeah. when you self-publish, you got to kind of be your own editor. I mean, if you're one of the big two, you know, you got somebody else that kind of wrangles the editor or, or the, the the artist and the writer and make sure everybody's getting the scripts in on time and, you know, it goes to the printer on time and the colors and, and that sort of thing. Again, like you have to wear all those hats when you're self-publishing. Mm-hmm. So that had to be a, a bit of a learning curve. Uh, and again, it's a sense of gratification. <laughs> it, it's hard to put together a comic on your own. Yeah, man. It's, you know, it's, it's funny. Cause I've never been like the most organized person in the last two years of doing this have like steadily sort of forced me into this corner where just like, Nope, Trevor, you need to be an adult. <laughs> you need to learn how to like get your shit together. Um, so like whether it's like the creative side and just kind of making sure all the timings, uh, add up to, to ensure that, you know, you're not, you're not stopping at any point in the race in order to, you know, pick up your baton or whatever. Um, or, you know, the, the sort of, you know, creative element of making sure that the material is out there and ready to go. Um, or even just like planning to make sure that you have a correct amount of inventory for a trip or to fulfill a Kickstarter, you know, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of, of just kind of spinning multiple plates, um, you know, and, and honestly, there's, there's been something major I've learned every step of the way, you know, up until this sixth Kickstarter, I was never like particularly good at forward planning, like my press, uh, appearances. And, you know, this time around, I got on it early, reached out to, to, to guys like you, who I, you know, I just have a good time talking to and wanted to make sure I, I got on with and, you know, reaching out to some people who, who seemed interested and in, in making sure I have all these things scheduled out. Um, you know, th- there's just, there's always been something um, to learn and to, to kind of figure out what the best way to, to like record is for me, you know, because there along the way, there've been many times where um, you sort of relearn a piece of information and you forget that you're relearning it. You know, yeah. you're like, Oh, like I'm hearing this for the first time. And then you like go and you find like this spare note on your phone. You're like, Oh shit. I knew about this two months ago. Yeah, I forgot <laughs> about that. Yeah. So, so that's been, been major, but uh, when it comes to like the process of corralling the creatives, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, the decision to, um, bring on Sam, who is our current artist, uh, was 
a really difficult one to make, but also one that um, I think has paid dividends to the book, to me creatively. I've learned a lot working with them. Um, and I think, you know, those fifth and sixth books, because I think we took such a step up with the artwork, um, it forced me to up my game. You know, I'm like, I, I, I don't remember if I mentioned it the last time we spoke, but once I got like the first handful of pages in from Sam, I was like, oh, um, I, I was like, uh, forget everything after page 12. I'm going to edit the rest of the script. And I added um, <clears throat> another four pages so that we could fit in uh, two double page spreads that were not there. So I didn't like change the plot of the book, but I was just like, oh man, we can do some really interesting things with the way that we're visually delivering the story. And so as you can see, once you get to the end of issue five, there are two double page spreads basically in a row. Uh, and one of them is this sort of this this massive like tension builder and then the other one is like this big payoff splash um and and so you know the way that we we design those pages um like i i wouldn't have really begun to piece that together if not for for receiving sam's artwork early on so yeah we we made those changes simply based off of him and knowing that he was capable of doing something wild and cool so despite like that transition at the time being very stressful and I'm sure it would have been stressful no matter like where I was at in my career, but particularly mm -hmm. with this being my first book, um, I felt like I was like, just like lost in, in a black hole. Um, you know, there, the light at the end of the tunnel was, you know, we, we found a, a, a talented guy like Sam, um, who is just like a, a better artist than I think I have any right collaborating with. Um, and, and thankfully his work gelled so well with, with our colorist Marcio and, and with our letterer Taylor that, um, you know, at the time, despite being, uh, I don't know, like it, it was a struggle, um, it, it paid off in the end. And, and that type of perseverance, I think is super important when it comes to, um, being the, you know, the guy of, of whom the buck stops with in every element of the, the process. Yeah. Uh, I suppose maybe we should start talking about this a little sooner, um, because there could be listeners that are hearing about this project for the first time. We did, I didn't have you give the elevator pitch. So we'll get to that in a second. But um, the other thing is I, I really feel like the story comes alive in issue f five and I've gotten a chance to look at six as well. Um, and, and six, if, if you can imagine, it may even have more action in, in a way than five does. Cause if five was like action from cover to cover, um, <laughs> but it's action that's like predicated or based on, this dynamic of a father-son relationship, which is so interesting to me, which brings a lot of emotion. So it's not action for action's sake. So I want to dive into that. But yeah, before we do that, yeah, why don't you kind of remind everybody uh, who has forgotten or uh, let listeners who may not know what uh, Area 51, the Helix Project is all about. Well, one, that, that's really great to hear uh, what you were mentioning about the action. But um, <clears throat> so thank you. Uh, but uh, so... And luckily, those of you who have been listening, I've I've shortened my elevator pitch, so it's not so insufferable. Uh, so Area 51, The Helix Project, is a sci-fi thriller about a boy from two worlds who is forced to excavate the trauma of his past when a mysterious figure puts his father's murder into question. Uh, he becomes driven to undercover this, un uncover the circumstances surrounding the death, and it sends him spiraling into the jaw of this massive Cold War genetics conspiracy, um, which forces him to face a twisted ghost from his past that plunges a dagger into everything he knows about himself. 
myself and ultimately what it means to be human. So deeply personal story revolving around themes of identity and reconciliation with memory and loss, all wrapped within uh, a pure sci-fi from somebody who has an academic background in in molecular biology. So, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, um, you know, that idea of identity, because, you know, here's here's a kid who, yeah, <laughs> may not be fully human, um, but it's a very human story and something that can you can really relate to. Um, when it comes to relationships, whether it's your relationship with your father or your or your mother or a sibling or a grandparent, you know, you have that. Sometimes you have I don't want to say love, hate, but you you have you love them. But, you know, there are extenuating circumstances, you know, like no family gets along all the time. You know, no, no husband and wife get along. All the time. You know, we're all unique individuals. We all bring stuff to the table and just by the nature of being societal animals, you know, we don't always get along. And so. I think there's a relatability on that level, but you take it a lot deeper than that. Um, and I almost, I mean, I don't want to say that I, I feel bad for Kent. I mean, you, <laughs> you do in a way, but uh, I mean, I don't know. You just, you layered so much emotion, like I said, into it. And it's like, I almost don't know who to, am I, am I rooting for the father? Am I rooting for the son? Am I, you know what I mean? Like, I appreciate that. Did you like originally conceive of the story to have it this complex and layered? Like nobody's yeah, and- nobody's just like all good or all bad, you know, like it's, yeah. it's in and, the gray. Yeah. That was the, yeah, I, I definitely, it's funny, man. Cause there's a little, as you can tell, there's a, a little bit of a red herring in like what the ultimate sort of villain of the story is. Um, and I, you know, setting out to, to, to create, I, I just, I wanted to put a stamp on it that felt like indelibly mine and different. Um, and you know, we, we've had like a lot of conversations, like just generally, like you and I over the last two and some years that we've known each other, um, whether it's like the state of the world or social things. And, and I've always kind of articulated for, you know, taking like a middle ground and and just seeing that there's a lot of gray in this world and that, you know, people are not easily distilled down to black and white absolutes. And so like when it came down um, to getting like to the end of the story, I was just like, I I mean, I think that most people are going to side with Kent, but it's not supposed to be easy. You know, you're supposed to understand um, why the thing that stands in his way does and 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 just kind of like really lament that, you know, like the fact that it it has to be the way it is. And um, you know, once once you you continue on and you finish the story, you realize that in order for for this arc to conclude the way it is, it, it couldn't have ended any other way. Uh and and for that I I I wanted to make sure that there were no easy choices to be made uh at the end of the story. So not only is there um, the challenge of, of physically sort of getting to the end of this spire. Um, there is also just the idea that like at some point Kent is given the choice to get to that ending and that decision in and of itself might be the hardest thing he has to do, uh, especially in a, in a story where, you know, when we picked up with Kent, um, when we first met him, uh, he didn't have the agency to make those types of decisions, right? Like, 
not to spoil it for anybody else, but you get to towards the end of issue two and there's a very pivotal decision that is taken away from Kent because he does not have the agency to act. And now you get to the end of the story and this is a far more difficult decision for him to make. Um, and, and he has to make it or, or, you know, all else is over. Well, I mean, even as far back as the first issue, there's the scene on the roof, you know, yeah. where he, you know, don't know what he ultimately would have decided, but, you know, he, he doesn't have the agency to, to make a choice. His mom, you know, shows up and he, the decision is yeah. kind of taken off the table for him. Um, but yeah, it's sort of like he, you know, we mentioned identity earlier. It's like, he's never taken the time to establish a self identity because he's just sort of lived in the sorrow and the loss mm -hmm. um, and use that, use that external, you know, event to I identify himself when that's not really, you know, who he is. And once he has to make decisions and, you know, things are happening, they're, they're being thrown at him so fast. It's like, it's like step up dude, or, or just lay down and die, you know, yeah. like basically. For, for lack of better terms, this is a nut up or shut up situation. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, that, that was always a um, something I wanted to aim toward, you know, because his, in a way, not that like, not that tragedy doesn't befall us and that it doesn't affect us whether we want it to or not, but Kent let it define him, define him for most of his life. And so once, you know, this catalyst being Marissa um, sort of appears on the table, it, it forces this reaction, it forces him to deal with that trauma directly instead of just kind of like drowning in it or or being enveloped by it. Um, and And ultimately, I think as we get to the end of issue five and into issue six, it, it brings all of that to a head and it tests everything Kent has learned uh, about himself and about people. Um, it, you know, it, it, it really does, I think, kind of put everything in that combustion chamber and, and see whether or not this, this character can walk his way out of it. Well, especially because that trauma, I mean, he still has trauma, right? He still has a yeah. loss, but it's not what he thought it was. Uh, and so all of a sudden, you know, I've defined myself because of this tragedy that befell me and this, you know, self-pity wallowing that I've done my entire life. And then maybe it wasn't necessary. So now it's like, that, like, you know, he has to sort of call into question everything that he thinks about himself and this event that happened while all this other sci-fi action military things are being thrown at him. So it, it mm -hmm. it's a lot. You've packed a lot in. The first five issues and, you know, six, you know, you mentioned 32 pages. Um, I think it wraps it up quite, quite nicely. So you mentioned adding pages, but not uh, changing the plot. I'm curious. I, I hear a lot of writers that talk about making sure you have a little bit of leeway organically to make changes as the story goes on, you know, because it, you know, like you said, this, this took, you know, about a year and a half to come out. So, at what point did you was it completely locked in, um, or or were was it early on? Did you leave yourself room to make changes throughout? Um, I think <clears throat> really by issue two, I, I kind of knew how the story was was going to end, um, and it just became about how I was going to deliver that. You know, um, that that was really important, uh, and part of it was just knowing. And understanding like the strengths of the people that I'm working with, you know, so despite like nothing about the plot changing when I had to edit the last part of issue five, um, 
after you know Sam hopped on board, like nothing, uh, nothing about the structure of the story really changed. I had just realized like we could visually direct these moments in a bigger and more impactful way, um, and and so wherein like adding those extra four pages might have slowed down another story. I actually really do think that they add um, not only style because I mean, style in place of substance is, is nothing but like sprinkles on an ice cream cone, but it, it, it also, I think added like a weight to it. You know, I can't, I can't imagine issue five without those, those two spreads um, towards the end, which totally allowed that last page to just breathe. You know, like by by taking all of that like action that needed to happen and and moving it slightly forward, we could have that last page that is wordless and haunting and just like, what the fuck is going to happen next? And I don't think we could have done that and made it as impactful if not for that decision and being willing to like acknowledge that we we can find a new way to deliver this thing. Um, and and so it was just like changing within a certain dynamic you know like we were fluid up until a point and i think that's necessary because if you i think if you're too indecisive it shows in the storytelling and everything kind of falls apart around it but you know if you're willing to sort of change up until a point and that that point's going to change for everybody and 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 it's also going to depend on their story um i think it, it allows the, the everything to breathe better and i've also mentioned on on prior um discussions with you that you know, after a certain point, these characters kind of had to write themselves. And I think that's the best way to let the story evolve um, organically and let these characters evolve organically. You know, by the time you get to a certain point, it's just, you know, you're not like, oh, what what do I need Kent to do here? It's just like, no, like, what does Kent do? Like, that's it. Like, in, in this situation, based on what we've seen from him, based on what he's tackling, what does Kent do here? What does this character need not what not what do I need from him or or his cast? What do they need? And and how can I take those needs uh and and sort of make them work uh symbiotically in order to broach the the end of the story? So this is this will be the end. You've had some regular readers that have been been along for the ride for you know from the from the very beginning. Is there any nervousness? that the end is going to be out there and you're like, wow, I hope, I hope, I mean, obviously you always want people to like what you're doing, but yeah, I mean, there's no take backs, you know, <laughs> again, you can't, you, you know, you mentioned that you, you knew the ending pretty early on, but now everybody's going to see the ending. So mm-hmm. any trepidation, any, any more nervousness? I mean, I know there's always nervousness when you launch a new campaign, is it going to fund or not, but any nervousness that, you know, people are going to finish the story. Um, Weirdly. No. Like I, I feel very, you know, it, the ending to this story feels like the perfect ending to this story. Um, like the, the last page, uh, like just getting it in really reaffirmed my confidence about like what we were building toward and, and obviously getting to that, that end, that end goal. Um, it just feels right. You know, like as a, as a storyteller, this feels like the natural ending for this journey that we've been on with these characters and in this world. So oddly enough, it's, I didn't, I didn't, I don't, I don't, I'm not scared. Uh, I don't feel any trepidation and it's weird because if you had asked me this same question 
four issues ago, I'd have been like, yeah, I'm a, you know, I don't know. Uh, this, this feels right, but I'm not sure. And there was something about getting to that point and doing it. And, you know, I'll be the first person to look at something that I've done and be like, that was ass. <laughs> and, and so like for me to naturally like walk away from it and be like, huh, like that didn't hurt as much as I thought it would. In fact, it, it didn't hurt at all. Something about that feels right. It just feels, you know, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't really give myself, um, <clears throat> that moment of respite if it, if it wasn't earned, you know? And, and so I, I don't know, man, I feel good about it. <clears throat> the entire creative team, uh, has been like very supportive of the ending. You know, I, I always try to elicit as much honesty from people and their thoughts on, on what's going on as possible. Uh, particularly the people that work on it with me. Right. Cause I want it to be satisfying for everybody involved. Um, and it was like, you know, when I, when I turned in the, the script to Sam, uh, cause he was obviously the first person to know how it ended. He was like, he said he like almost cried. And I was like, that's how I know I've done something right. When one of the people that are actually just working on the book feel, you know, uh, the, the weight of that ending. So yeah, oddly enough, man, I'm, I'm not scared. I'm, I, I feel very proud and, 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 uh, you know, just like, uh, I'm excited. Honestly, I'm really, really excited for people to see how the story ends. Do you think part of the reason you're so confident is because, again, going back to this idea of you, these regular readers, these people that have been really understanding? Because, again, we talked about how complex a story it's been, but like the people that have been reading it, the people that you, you know, have bought it at conventions and then come back to that same convention the next year and bought, you know, the next issues, even people not necessarily joining the Kickstarter, like they've, they've been getting what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like they're picking up what you're putting down. So that, I, I got to think that probably helps with this idea of uh, maybe being ex more rather than being nervous about them getting to the ending, you're excited for them to experience the ending and hear what they have to say. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've been very fortunate that, um, I mean, just like the people that pick it up seem to get it. And, and that, that also reinforces that we've been moving in the right direction and, you know, I think the fact that they were so open and also like enjoyed the things that I might have been like the most insecure about made me go, okay, like there's an instinct in here um, that I need to continue operating on because it hasn't quite failed me yet. And, you know, once you kind of harden that and you begin to like refine your judgment as a storyteller and even as an editor, um, you know, being the guy that kind of, uh, directs all the traffic of, of the comic book making street. Um, you, you just, I don't know, man. Like it just, it, it, it just built a, a savviness and a confidence and, and, and I'm, I'm grateful, man. I'm grateful that the people that read it and, and that have enjoyed it continue to do so and, and talk about it and, and sort of, you know, it, it's great to, to hear praise for something that I've created, but it also informs like what is working for people in a broader sense, more than what's like just working for me uh, and my tastes, you know, like it, it's funny when you, when you put something out there, sometimes you think something might go really well and something might go really poorly. And uh, there are times where there have been things that I haven't even really thought about beyond like this scene needs to go here in order to like, elicit this emotional response later and people are like oh i'm all in on it like 
the the small interaction between Kent and his mom in issue one, like I, I had several people that were like, oh my God, this just like reminds me of my relationship with my mom. And it's like super corny, but feels very real. And I was just like, that's interesting because like that was probably the least for me, like the least um, thought out sort of moment in the book. You know what I mean? Like what I was worried about was like using the, the, our father prayer in the flashback as this sort of like poetic uh, narrative device that we would then sort of call back to time and time again as the series is going on. I was like, Oh, people are going to be like, stop putting like religion in here, even though I'm an atheist or like, you know, don't like force feed us this, or, you know, maybe there would have been backlash from the, you know, the Christian community that are like, how dare you make an alien say the, our father prayer or whatever, you know? So it's, it's just weird how that kind of works out, you know? Yeah. I think that comes with the instinct of being a storyteller that you don't, you, you didn't think a lot about it because you didn't have to. It just became, mm. it just came naturally to you. So, uh, all right, listeners. Well, this goes live on the same day this is being released, uh, which is January 16th. So you always do some really cool stuff and really cool rewards and whatnot with, uh, with the campaign. So even though we're recording this ahead of time, I'm sure you know what, uh, all of uh, some, if not all of the re- uh, reward tiers are. So yeah. let people know what they can get. Um, probably starting off with the fact that, yeah, if you, if you haven't heard of this before and you haven't, you know, read any of it, previous issues are going to be available, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as as Jace has alluded to, they've always been rather affordable, uh, which is great. Dude, um, you, I do. I told him from the beginning, you need to be charging more for these. But it was more important for you rather than to make money was to get the story out there, which I, I have total respect for. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, anyway, didn't mean to interrupt, but go ahead. No, no, no. I appreciate that. Um, it's yeah, so so very affordable for you to catch up. Um so on the higher end, there's one slot to get drawn into the book. Um, of which uh Jace, you've read issue six, you've seen a scene, a particular moment with a soldier. Mm-hmm. That is a slot of which somebody can get drawn in, and it's a pretty cool moment to be featured in. You get two full pages of feature. Uh, and you get to be immortalized in the series finale of the book. Uh, so that's really special. Uh, you have um, the ability to get credited in the book as a producer or executive producer. Uh, and beyond that, there are some executive producer tiers where you can get commissions from artists that are working on the series. So from my interior and uh, a cover artist, Sam, my colorist, Marcio, who uh is also a phenomenal artist in his own right. He did um, the secret variant for issue five and the the C cover for issue six, which are absolute blockbusters, beautiful covers. Um, And also uh, a commission from our variant cover artist, Adrian Bonilla, who's been with us from the beginning. Um, We always design a really rad exclusive shirt to every campaign. uh, And as Jace can attest, they are rather comfortable uh, and wearable. Yes, they are. So uh, I always pride myself in that. Um, let's see. There are options to to get in on a private um, like Skype call or Zoom call with me and the creative team. You can ask us whatever questions you'd like. We can really tell you how the so- – break down sort of how the sauce is made, which is great. Um, there are uh, options to get like various art prints. Uh, we will be bringing back the mystery box, which we launched at the end of issue five, which gives you the option to get a bunch of cool stuff that we don't offer outside of the campaign. Like we do um, a, uh, a, you have a one in two chance of getting this um, mini print, like of, of the uh, raw inks to the issue one reprint cover, which I adore. Um, 
there will be uh, a one in, I think a one in 15 or a one in 20 chance of getting a CGC signature series copy of one of the books to Area 51, the Helix Project, uh, along with potential sketches from artists, uh, merchandise, pins. We we have a slew of enamel pins for this campaign, uh, including stuff that directly references art from the books, uh, the Helix Project logo, the Pocket Watch Press logo. Uh, they are super cool. I actually have some. Uh, on my lanyards from conventions past uh, and people seem to really like those. Um, and if, for the aspiring creator, uh, there are, there's a tier where I will review your portfolio or a piece of work and give you um, some genuine thought out notes. And as Jace can attest, uh, I'm a, I'm a pretty uh, picky bastard. Um, so, you know, there's no way we go into that sort of editorial session and I don't give you my absolute a game uh, and, and some, you know, sort of constructive criticism that, that is at least somewhat well thought out. Um, so yeah, a lot of really cool stuff. Um, I was thinking about potentially adding slots uh, with like convention passes to shows that I might be going to throughout the year. Not sure if that's going to stick. Um, apropos me saying I'm not great at planning here. We are like four days before the convention, the, the thing <laughs> launches and I'm like, oh, do I, do I do this or not? Um, but we do have, um, some cool stretch goals. Like one of which is if we hit 80 backers inside of the first 48 hours, we'll unlock a brand new variant cover, uh, by, uh, stupendous Marvel cover artist, Seth Adams. He, he's done some amazing work for them for dynamite. Um, and he did a really cool cover for us. Uh, along with some really other cool unlockables, uh, like if we hit if we hit the I think it's ten the ten k mark, uh, we're going to turn the A cover into a wraparound for free, like no wow. upgrade, no additional charge. Um, that's coming out of my pocket as a thank you for um, just just making making you know this whole whole sort of endeavor bigger and better every time. So um, yeah, a lot of fun stuff in there. Um, I think those are most of like the kind of different things we do offer a lot of the typical catch up stuff, digital copies, art prints. Uh, by the way, I think it's like if we hit 8K, everybody's art print will automatically be upgraded to a metallic foil art print um, just because I'm I'm really bad at uh, making money as a business person and I just want to give you cool stuff. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, they're also inside of issue six. There may or may not be a page that announces what I'm doing next. So yeah. Fantastic. Uh, obviously, best of luck with the campaign. I yeah, just just to comment real quick on on this idea of you critiquing somebody else's work. Yeah, you're gonna get some tough love. Uh, so if you have been working, you've been trying to break in, you've been trying to get stuff self published, and you haven't been able to get over the hump. Perfect this is a perfect opportunity to find out what you're doing wrong. Trevor's not gonna pull any punches. And the other thing that it it reminds me of is like you know you with as, as Dark Knight Nation and doing reviews and whatnot, kind of how we met, and mm-hmm. this idea of just this love of Batman, right? And not not to mm-hmm. say that that Batman stories haven't gotten more complicated, and a lot of that due to obviously the seminal work of Frank Miller in, in Dark Knight Returns. But you read a DC comic, and things are much more. These are the good guys, and these are the bad guys. And to, mm-hmm. you know, you starting off with with you know your love of comics and putting that out there as Dark Knight Nation and saying, "Yeah, I like Batman." To this incredibly complex, layered, emotional, there is no real good guy, uh, no real bad guy. Like you've created something extremely interesting that I think will stand uh, the test of time. 
So shit, man. Thank oh, kudos. you. Kudos. No, man. I, I know, I know you don't take the time, like you said, to to really have this is over and you know the yeah. next one's coming down the line because you're already but dude, you you gotta stop and smell the roses and and realize what you've done. And maybe it'll come. Maybe it'll come when you you receive the assuming that your FedEx guy doesn't deliver them to the wrong damn apartment complex again or <laughs> again yeah, way way too many yeah. times but uh so yeah I, i'll also take the uh the opportunity to remind everybody so maybe you want to join the campaign but you just you don't have the means right now or maybe just ah, you know i don't like sci-fi this doesn't sound like it's for me best way you can help out trevor and the rest of the creative team other than joining the campaign yourself and getting these amazing books is to just spread the word right put it out there on social media Talk about it with, you know, your comic fans, mention it to your retailer, whatever, whatever you can do to to get eyes on this. Because there's nothing worse than uh, hearing about a campaign you'd like to have been a part of after it's over and then it's too late. And then you got to go track Trevor down at a con. Maybe you live in the middle of nowhere. There's no convention close by. So, yeah, just share it out there on social media. Retweet my post when I post up this uh, tweet for the interview. Just let's get as many eyes on this as we can, because like I said earlier, it's the last one. <laughs> we really want to get it, not just over the finish line, but yeah, let's hit that that 10K mark. So um, great chatting with you as always, man. It's been too long. We, we yeah. need to get together. IRL, as the kids For say. For a drink. We yeah. need a drink. We need a drink in Liar's Dice. That's what we yeah. need. Yeah. Yeah, man. Dude, oh, more it, sleep. It, I, more sleep this time. <laughs> maybe. 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 Yeah, maybe. Um, n- knock on wood. Um, no, man, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful, um, you know, to be able to sit down and talk with you and, and just like, it's cool to, to think that like, we have been doing this since like before I even started making the comics, but like yeah. from the beginning of that and, and getting to, you know, like just see how this conversation evolves over time and, um, man, it, it's been so great and, and it's, it is an absolute pleasure to be able to do this and talk to you. And, uh, I look forward to a day where we get to link up at another con and have too much to drink and, and have not enough sleep. Not enough sleep. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah. a pleasure. And, and like everything you said is true. Uh, if, if it is not within, uh, your, le- your means, dear listener, uh, to support the book, any sharing is, it, it means the world to me, um, mentioning it to your retailer. Uh, is a big help. We want to get this stuff out there because the money that we get from this eventually goes into not only printing this book, but into producing more and more content. Um, and I really am, am sort of wanting this year to start speeding up my production now that I kind of have that proven track record. Um, I would like to, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, in between like this coming out, I can launch that next kickstarter and do that next project therefore i can start kind of getting on that pathway of doing three four books a year um but but that only happens with uh with with the listener support with the reader support uh and for those of you that are listening in this podcast that uh at some point over the last what has it been six interviews that we've done Mm -hmm. has supported the book thank you thank you so much for giving me uh the opportunity to tell this story uh, the opportunity to come back on this podcast um, and the opportunity to grow as a storyteller. It means the world. Uh, and I am forever indebted to you. And of course, to you, Jace, man, for being a big part of that. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, the bo- I mean, the book, I, the book is good. I mean, like, forget about <laughs> the fact that, you know, we've known each other since before you started doing this. I mean, the, the book is good. Uh, and nobody can take that away from you. And I promise you guys, if you've, if you've read any of it, 
um, you know, here's a chance to pick up any issues you missed. And if you've been along for the ride, like, yeah, the, the, like you're going to love the ending. It's uh, it lands with uh, a lot of impact as evidenced by Sam's uh, reaction uh, <laughs> the artist on the, on the book. So um, again, Trevor, thanks for the time. Best of luck with the campaign. Um, as we're winding down here, you want to let everybody know where they can find you online, social media, that sort of thing. Oh yeah, man. Uh, so Facebook pocket watch press, Instagram at pocket watch press, uh, due to character limitations on the bluebird, uh, Twitter app. Uh, it is uh, P watch press. Um, you can check out, uh, via any one of those, the link tree in the description also will have the Kickstarter, uh, along with access to my newsletter, which I produce like every two weeks or so now. It is the easiest way to stay up to date with everything I'm doing. Uh, easiest way to get behind the scenes, look at some of the artwork before it even comes out. Uh, I'll even walk you through process, sometimes breaking down a page from my original script and every step of the way until you get to that finished page. I think it's whether you, you are interested in creating or, or just like one of those adamant readers that kind of wants to know how the sauce is made. Uh, I think it's really, really cool. Uh, we do giveaways, uh, just about quarterly or, or sort of trimesterly ish, um, and yeah, great way to keep up with everything we're doing and uh, be privy to a bunch of, of free content, which, um, you know, I, I do my best to provide. And and you'll be one of the first to know when I get to do cool things like talking to Jason. Uh, yeah, yeah, keep on the lookout. I guess, well, by the time this airs, everything will be released. Um, but uh, yeah, keep on the lookout for for what we have coming next, because I think it's it's uh, it's bigger, it's bolder. Um, and uh, I, I'm really, really proud to say that I think I get to put on display everything I've learned uh, throughout the the process of making the Helix Project and um, everything that uh, some some familiar collaborators and new collaborators um, have as well. So I'm I'm super stoked for that, and thank you guys for listening. Yep, and uh, I want to thank you listeners as well. Appreciate it as always. Uh, I'll put links to Trevor's social media in the show notes. So if you're having trouble finding them, you can just go and click there. So uh, everybody go check out, click on the link, check out the project, take 30 seconds to to give it a look, dive deeper if uh, you think it's for you. And if not, then hey, just uh, spread help spread the word. So uh, again, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, Trevor. Best of luck with the project. And we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash the comic source. Do a search for the comic source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.